Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a little bit since you heard from us. It's been a week. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing good. You know, summer, summer, we're chilling out. I know Brad. Brad's been a little all over the place, but <laughs> me and Steph's just been watching some baseball. Steph's, how are you doing? I always love watching baseball. Well, uh, and we got some uh, uh, important things to talk about, some players going down with injuries and debuts, so let's just get straight into it. So, obviously, the big headlines from this week was Ellie De La Cruz. You've kind of heard, you might have heard about this guy on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, uh, MLB app, anywhere in between, because he launches the ball 450 to 470 feet on a given night. He's putting up, you know, 110 plus mile per hour exit velocity. He's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour across the infield, fastest home to third, and he made his debut this week against the Dodgers. Did he live up to the hype? Um, yes. I would say so. <laughs> I turned on the game. I turned on the game. I'm like, mom, dad, look, it's 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 Ellie. And then and then first uh, second pitch, Ellie just uh, demolished Noah Syndergaard, who we'll probably talk about later. But you know, he's he's pretty bad. Um, and he got a, he got a free game there. I think he hit a triple in that game too, or maybe a double. Um, and then I think he's one of the first players to hit a, a single, double, triple, and a home run in their first three games. One of like three guys to do that. Um, so yeah, he's living up to the hype so far. Stevs, your thoughts? Um, well, his first hit was 112 off the bat. It was a double 112 off the bat. Um, and I think he has the fastest home to home to third, yeah, home third. to third because he had a triple, um, in the MLB this season. Is like I think it was like was it 4.84 or something like that. But I know second is Corbin Carroll, and it's like a 10 a point one difference. Yeah, um, that's not right. Looking at his baseball savant, his average exit velocity, again, very small sample size, 99.3. He is already in the 96th percentile for max exit velocity, the 99th percentile for sprint speed. He's got a nice 80% hard hit rate and a 46% strikeout rate. Um, obviously, those will all regress, but it, the Reds are fun. Yeah, uh, they hit the walk off. The dude hit his first home run or first hit right with the walk off, and that was that was electric feeling. And like we, I mean, we've talked about it. The Reds are an exciting team to watch, and like they're gonna be good in a couple years. Um, they're gonna be good for a long time to come. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's they're gonna be fun to watch. I mean, you got Ellie De La Cruz, you have the starting pitching at Lodolo, you got Hunter Green, uh, you have Jonathan India, who's kind of having a type of bounce back year this year. Um, and then you'll have Noelve Marte and other guys like that coming up as well. I like the future for this team. Um, someone I don't like the future for is Graham Ashcraft, uh, one of Brad's <laughs> one of Brad's guys. I don't know what's going on with him. He's looked like one of the worst pitchers in baseball this season. He hasn't just um, looked like it. He's been. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. Brad, can you, can you explain his woes? What's going on with that? <laughs> his woes are because of a woba. Um <laughs> Um, it just, I don't think he's generating whiffs. Yeah. He's not generating swings and misses. He's not throwing competitive strikes. He got a 16.8% strikeout rate to a 10.1% walk rate. It just seems like he's not throwing competitive pitches in the zone. Like the cutter is still a, a quality pitch. Slider's still solid. The sinker's even a fine pitch. It's just, he's not throwing him in competitive locations. Like if you're looking at his run value, he has no negative run value pitch suggesting He's getting into deep counts. Like you saw yesterday when he faced the Dodgers, he came out early because of injury, but he was already at 68 pitches in two and two thirds innings. He's, I mean, he's letting up hits. He's walking a lot of people, doesn't strike out anyone. I mean, and, and he's, he's getting hit by some 
pretty bad teams too. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not very high on Graham anymore. I thought, I mean, how young is he? He's only like, what, 20-something, 25? I don't know. 25. Yeah, so, I mean, he's got, he's, he might have a future, but uh, the way it looks right now, um, he's definitely taken a steep decline from last season. Um, I mean, last season wasn't that good either way, but he's not making the breakout steps that we thought he would be making. Yeah, I, I think that you look at a, what is it, a 96.1 mile an hour cutter, and you're like, oh, that's going to be pretty good. It's a starter version of Emmanuel Classe's cutter, and Classe has regressed, uh, but so is Graham. Well, uh, there's a couple of guys on this team that I want to talk about, um, one being another rookie on the team, another rookie shortstop, Matt McClain, who's been fantastic since coming up. Um, I mean, he's kind of been overshadowed entirely. I think Spencer Steer is still underrated at this point. I know he's a first baseman, but, you know, he's still putting up decent numbers. And this team is producing on offense. I think they're like 10th or 11th in, in runs in the league. It's it's pretty impressive to see after we expected this team to be a bottom feeder. I mean, obviously, this is a, a division where you can actually get away with being pretty mediocre to win. So, but but I'm, I'm saying this is a team that maybe could sneak into a – an NL Central uh, lead because the NL Central is kind of bad. Um, I agree with that. It's also the fact that you said that they have a good rookie shortstop. You could be talking about six guys. <laughs> they, have a lot, they have a lot of shortstops. They have a lot of shortstops. Uh, but the thing with Matt McClain, like, yes, he's been fantastic. He had a really good series. Uh, he's got a 68-point run differ or differential in his WOBA and ex-WOBA. It's because he's got a really high Babbitt, but like even a 336 expected will was not horrible. Like, I think he'll be solid. He was a first round pick two years ago. He's already in the show. He's 23. There's time to develop. Like the Reds have turned around very quickly and it's a promising thing. It's just the only issue is they've got so many prospects who are all shortstops, which again, you'd have to hope that at some point that one of the shortstops will pan out. And it looks like a couple of them will. I think that, Ellie De La Cruz is fantastic, and I think he will be very good. He's obviously going to regress. He's going to struggle. It's just whether he can get past the struggles and past the strikeouts. Uh, they called up Andrew Abbott. But you look at their their top prospects, right? Ellie De La Cruz, Noel V. Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Cam Collier, Matt McClain, Christian Incarnacion Strand. They are all infielders. You have to scroll down to number 12 to find an outfield prospect. There's a guy that I, I I've been watching for a while. And I still don't know how to pronounce. It. Is it just TJ Friedel? Friedel? Is it Friedel? I don't. TJ Friedel. He's been good. I mean, I know he, the sample size is not that big, but he's you know been decent since coming up last season. Or I mean, I think he had a sample size in the season before. Tyler Stevenson, um, I will say, has underperformed what I thought he would be doing uh, to this point in the season. Um, I don't know if he's going to regress back to his mean of last season. But it seemed like 2021 and 2022, those sample sizes are probably more you're going to get from him. The batting average is down. Slugging is down. Everything is down. I just hope he makes a bounce back. I think having someone behind the dish like that would be a lot more useful in this team. I think the one concern that I have about the Reds is, like going forward, is, yes, Hunter Green looks like very legit. If you go to the beginning of May for Hunter Green – and just look at his fastball movement. He's added a ton of horizontal movement. You know how we talked about sevenfold this preseason about how his fastball was just straight and it was getting peppered. 
now it's it's a decent pitch now it's getting good horizontal movement it's still below average in terms of vertical movement but right now it's 3.6 inches above average for fastball similar to that so it's playing it's still a positive run value but it's not as horrible as a rate as it was last year which is an improvement for him so i think that's a good sign nick ladola wasn't good before he got hurt Graham Ashcraft has regressed. Andrew Abbott had a really good first start, but it's been one start. And once you get past that, you don't really know where the Reds are going to be in terms of pitching. So maybe they'll try and shop a infield prospect for a pitching prospect, maybe trade deadline, look for a younger pitcher that a team might be selling or a team in need that has a plethora of pitching, the Seattle Mariners, and needs an infield or something like that. What about, what about, actually that's stupid, never mind. What about like, what about like a Tony Gonsolin, like a young guy that the Dodgers don't really like that much? <laughs> or I wouldn't do like that if much. I was the Reds. You wouldn't, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up too much for him. But there's there if there's a block in your infield and you literally have no use for them, there's there's I mean, what other young pitchers that would you consider that are still under team control for a couple more years? I just I also wouldn't say Tony Gonsolin makes sense given the fact that the Dodgers just put their one of their starters on the IL and it puts like eight of them on the IL now. Yeah. So the Reds, man. I, I, <laughs> I mean, have the Reds? Let me check their schedule. I I, I don't know. I don't think they're gonna be a playoff team. I think the Brewers are pretty much gonna have the division on lock. I think it's it's. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying the Dodgers I, are bad, but like they're bad. Like, right now. they've been playing bad recently. But no, the the, the reason the reason we're we're hyping this team up is because. They, they beat the Dodgers in a series. I feel like, I mean, the record reflects pretty well, but they haven't really played well versus, like, good competition yet. I mean, they did. I think they might have swept Boston. Never mind. They won the series versus Boston. Yeah, they let up. Uh, there was the eighth inning where I think it was Hunter Green went, like, six or seven scoreless innings. And then it was the ninth inning, and some guy came in, just let up six runs, and they lost. I think the real test for this team will be – the mid to end of June because they get to play Houston, then Atlanta, then Baltimore, and then the Padres. That well, will be the test. One for of them. those teams is legit. One isn't. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, well, the Padres might sneak in a couple wins there. Who knows? They're going to get hot eventually. It has to happen. They're they're they. It's inevitable, Brad. Um, eight games back from first. The Padres. I mean, yeah. they're closer to the Rockies than first. Yeah, couldn't be us. I don't know, man. That's just that's wild. You see, do you see the the Juan Soto quote? There, there, someone asked them, one of the reporters. They were like, "What's why? Why are you having the offensive woes that you're having?" He was like, "I don't think I'm the guy you got to talk to that about." Well, I think that's fair. I mean, it is, but like, but like, who do you want him? Like the coaching staff? Like, you're not gonna. I would look at the coaching staff. I mean, Nelson Cruz kind of came in as a guy that you expected to be a big power threat. He hasn't really panned out as well. As, I as, thought he had been fairly decent this year. I, I, I'll double check really that. Hot. I don't yeah. know what happened past. Oh, he, he got hurt. He got hurt recently. Okay. He's on the IL right now. I mean, oh, Tatis yeah. has been. I think he's he's leading the team in home runs, uh, despite starting the season a month late. Um, Xander Bogarts had a great start to the season, then forgot um, how to pit, how to hit. I I don't know. I Gary just, Sanchez. Gary. 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 He's could have been a giant, Tom. Um, I, yeah. it was not, not going to pan out for anyone. I uh, don't think, I don't know how long this, this Mickey Mouse run lasts for him, but. I mean, it's fine. He's, and the thing was 
like even if he's a league average hitter, it's an upgrade for what they had because it was Sullivan and Nola. They were just both horrible. So uh, even yeah. a league average bat with like slightly below average defense and a really good arm. So it's, it's, when it's, when does when do you pull the plug on expected stats? Because look at look at Trent Grisham's stats and then look at his expected stats or look at his percentile rankings, and, and you will see that you look at this, you're like, man, this guy's probably hitting two seventy, probably got fifteen home runs at this point. He's batting one ninety, has five home runs, barely runs into the ball, and and somehow has insane percentile rankings because he hits the ball hard. I, uh, he doesn't even hit the ball. The hard hit rate's down too. Uh, it's just the, the exit velocity. Uh, how do you have a how do you have a high average exit velocity but not a high hard hit percentage? That doesn't make sense. You have extrema. Trent, Trent. I think Trent is an exception. I don't think he's good for the Padres. I don't. I, I you can't have someone in this in this really offensively struggling unit here that's not getting on base or doing anything. I mean, he's providing somewhat valuable defense. I mean, does he have a positive war just to start the season? I'm assuming, I'm assuming he does just because his defense, but like I think there talents above average. There is a quote that he's at point three war. There is a quote that it's like the Padres have three holes catchers, Jake Kernworth, and Trent Grisham. It's fair. And I he the thing with Trent Grisham, right? If you just look at his expected stats over the past couple of years, last year was really bad. 2020, he underperformed. 2021, he overperformed. So, like, he's a guy with going to be a lot of variance. So, is he getting unlucky? Maybe, but I feel like that expected Woba has a lot to do with the fact that he's walking a lot more than he used to. His expecting batting average is still pretty low. So, I, I mean, you went out and extended Manny Machado. He's not playing out. You went out and signed Xander Bogart okay. for too much money. And then you that, traded for Juan Soto. This is not the Juan Soto you expected. No, this is the Juan Soto you expected. No, Juan Soto's been Juan no, Soto's been very good. No, no, very good, yes. But what the Juan Soto when he got traded, you expected him to be this like the best in the league. Like, I mean, the reason it was such a big deal that Juan Soto got traded is because he was the generational, you know, once in a generation eye at the plate, a guy that has insane power. And I while he's been productive behind the plate because he walks a lot and and also is now hitting better than he was before. Percentile and walk percentage. Yeah, yeah, that that's been Juan his whole career. I don't think he's ever had something below that. But the the pro, this isn't the Juan. So I, I'm saying the bar is so high for Juan that anything below it is disappointing. And I feel like the they traded so much to get this godly form of Juan, and I feel like they're getting something below it. And I I honestly now now looking at how much star power is on this team and how bad they're performing offensively. I think it has to do with the coaching. I think it has to do with some sort of coaching issue because there, there's too much talent on this team. I mean, even guys like Hawks and Kim are underperforming too. Stevs, go ahead. I mean, I, so I see that second point. It could be the coaching. I understand that. My thing with Juan Soto, right, is you've concocted this expectation that Juan Soto is supposed to be the greatest player of all time, right? Like he, he is a once-in-a-generational talent, which he is projected to be that way, and a lot of people think he can be. But – he hasn't like I, I talked about it before the season. I was worried because like he hasn't had that generational breakout season. What like 2020 he had that type of season, but that was in a shortened season. 2021 right? too. Okay, but he he hasn't had that type of it. Oh my god, he's like the best player in baseball because he I mean he's there hasn't really been in contention for an MVP or anything like that. 
it's um, possible. 2021 says, I mean, there's an argument that he could have won the MVP in 2021 if he didn't get hurt for two weeks. He bat, I mean, he had an OPS at 999, walked 145 times, had more hits than strikeouts, more walks than strike. I mean, he, this was one of the better seasons I've seen in my life. And this is on a really bad Nats team that sold. Um, and he still managed to drive in almost 100 runs. Stevs, th- th- that was his breakout. On 2021, then, 2021, we were good for like we had good players half. for the majority of the season. And then Schwarber pulled. Okay, his you say first half, but the also but the trade deadline is like with like 60 games to go. When Kyle Schwarber pulled his hamstring, the season was over. Stevs, I remember. Yes, I, was at that I know. Game. I was there. I was watching every we were the game. game. We literally you? saw the game that everything turned bad. We literally that were was there the game. in you Philadelphia. Know you know, this is actually related to the Padres in a way. The game that broke the wheels off was the game that uh, Max Scherzer gave up the grand slam to the pitcher. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. That was the yeah. game where everything everything okay. fell apart. That's irrelevant. So, though. The so, point but, is but that Juan is good. Is, right? You've concocted this. Juan Soto is supposed to be this once-in-a-generational talent. He's supposed to be perfect. He's not perfect. He's, He's perfect. been tweaking a lot with his swing, and it's coming together. He's having a pretty good season. He started off really, really slow, remember? And he's it's everything is coming together, and I think he's gonna have a really really good end of the season and continuation of the season, right? I think he'll I mean, be my, fine. Yeah, I mean, my question is, why would you tweak something that's not broken? Um, if you look, I mean, this guy was doing things when he was 20, 21. I mean, we got an OPS plus at one sixty for the first five years of his career. Brad, that's, go please. One Just stop, wait, wait. stop him from talking. No, no, no. OPS plus at 160, OPS at 981 for the first five years of his career. This dude walked 373 times in the first five years of his career. Keep in mind, one of them is a short in season. And let's let's check since then. Let, let's just check out what he's done since then. Um, he now has an OPS at 868 151 i mean they're just dropping i mean he this is supposed to be where he's he's getting better and he hasn't been necessarily improving bad he's also been on a nationals team that he was the one that you pitched around you're neglecting the fact that he's with an organization where if you don't pitch to juan soto you got to pitch to fernando tatis or manny machado or xander bogarts but you can't compare juan soto's national success to his Padre success without acknowledging the fact that the lineups are just two different. They're two different things. It's also the fact that he had a 1.1 OPS in May, and you're just completely ignoring that fact. And you're saying that this isn't a good season from him, but he was having a quote unquote good season with the nationals before he got traded last year. And he is outperforming that right now. No, no, no I, I didn't say 2020, 2022. That's 2021. That was good. No, but it was common knowledge that he was having a solid season last year before he got traded. And no, because the whole thing was he's this generational talent. He's having a good season. He's going to go there. And this is the reason the Padres will be in the postseason and make a deep run. That whole that whole idea doesn't happen with a guy who's severely underperforming. He was still performing well. And this year he is still performing very well. Everything suggests that he is going to actually be better. And the fact that his May OPS was a one dot one one four suggests that's going to continue with a nearly a 500 on base percentage. His, his batted ball profile is completely altered. I mean, he's – so let, let's just talk about how he's he's walking the same amount as he's done his whole career. But in that, we've already talked about this. He's taking so many more pitches. He's swinging and missing more than he ever has in his whole career. And that's leading to the most strikeouts he's ever had in his whole career. I think he's going to finish with like uh, – I mean, he's on pace to finish with the most strikeouts in his career. 
you look at his batted ball profile, he's popping up the ball more than he ever was. He's hitting the, I'm sorry, he's, he's popping up and hitting the ball on the ground more than ever. His line drive percentage is 17.5. Granted, that is a lot better than it was at the beginning of May. At the beginning of May, his line drive percentage was like four. So he's hitting the ball on the line more than he was at the beginning of the season. And that's kind of the answer for him because, you know, if you look at his success at the beginning of his career, he was definitely hitting more line drives. Um, but now it's just, I think, I think he had trouble rolling over with the ball at the beginning of the season. I think that's getting fixed slowly, but I, I don't know if the Padres are the answer. Cause if, if it was just Juan struggling, I'd be like, this is a Juan problem, but everyone on this team is struggling. And there are like five MVP candidates on this team. No one, no, not all of them should be struggling simultaneously. This is clearly either a chemistry problem or a coaching problem. I don't think it's a chemistry problem. The, they did have chemistry club. problems. In the, you sure? Do you think they, they squashed the beef? I think the only issue was Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that was two years ago. Yeah, and it looks like they – like, have you seen, like, anything that they've been doing? Have you watched any Padres games? Yeah. It doesn't look like there's any beef in that that dugout, right, or in that club. There's also no passion in the dugout. You saw Manny Machado laughing with with Tatis when they were losing fucking eight to the – when they were losing uh, eight eight runs to the Dodgers. It was like – Yeah. That's not much – you think it's a passion issue, like a, a lack I, of effort? I think it's. I think it's a coaching issue. That's what I think it is. Brad, what are your thoughts on this? You have very good baseball players on your team, right? Yes. And they're not succeeding. Bob Melvin's a good manager. Their pitching coach is okay. It's an okay pitching staff. When you have four guys that all have Hall of Fame arguments currently, or will have Hall of Fame arguments in however many years. There is one common thing, and that is they all have the same hitting coach right now. Fire him. I don't know if it's a fire him. It's just trying to figure out what's going wrong. And it's not to say that the Padres staff isn't staying up until midnight every night looking at video, doing whatever it takes to figure out why their guys aren't going. But it's just saying clearly they haven't identified the right thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm i looking at their batted ball profiles to see if there's any similarities between the two. But um... I mean, what, what is Manny's problem right now? Is he striking out more than he has? Has his vision been down? Hold on. I think he was just hurt. To start the season and he was playing through it or what? Yeah, because remember last year he had the whole issue and he played through it. This year it seems like that, that happened again. And then he went on the IL for the first time since 2014. So I think that's happened. Like none of his splits look good per month. But if you look at his platoon splits, he's hitting 903 OPS versus lefties and a 555 versus righties. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know if they're, they're always that extreme. I'll look at last year's. It's, it's always it was been the opposite. No, lefties. no really? it wasn't. Last year he had a 914 versus righties, 854 versus lefties. Check the year before it. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Eight forty-seven righties, seven ninety-nine lefties. Stay, don't look at me like that. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, heard that. I don't know. He's murdered. Manny, Manny, Manny just Manny just took the summer off. I guess. I mean, he took the winter off. Just relaxed. Got a nice um, extension. Yeah. Anyways, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things you could fix. I mean, you know, there's a couple guys on this team that would be pretty nice. You know, like a Ty France and uh, you know. Andres Munoz, you know, guys that you yeah. traded for Aaron Nola or Austin Nola. Sorry, wrong. Yeah, I'll trade those two for Aaron Nola. Yeah, uh, you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Um, I think their GM is highly overrated. Sorry, we'll, we'll move on from this, though. That was uh, okay. For, before you say that, before we let you get away with that, he yeah. put a team on the field that could win. 
you cannot tell me that he did not do put his best foot forward to put a team on the field that could win. That was that, like a pay to win type of thing, though. That no, it doesn't matter. Tom, Brad is completely accurate. You had them winning it all this year. So on yeah. paper, this team should be succeeding. So it's it is not on the general doing. manager. It's not on. Yeah, it's not on the GM. It's on the players and the coaching staff at this point. I, I No, I think my point is that you can't buy a team. You have to grow a team. Homegrown teams are oftentimes the ones that win. We see this really exhibit okay. the Dodgers. Well, what what is much, the difference between the team buy? that succeeded last year and the team that he that is playing this year? Sander Bogarts, that's it. Oh, I thought you meant like like the, like the Astros and the no like oh no, you mean the like Padre, the, the Padre. What is the difference between those two teams besides winning? Sander Bogarts, that's it. That's the solution. Get him out of there. You have to get rid of him. You just have to. No. <laughs> Clearly, the I'm, only logical solution everyone is to the Nationals for Lane Thomas. It seems like <laughs> it's replace him with Trent Grisham. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Trent Grisham. Uh, okay. Hey, you should love him. He got you to the World Series. No, I, I don't know why I hate Trent Grisham. I don't like him. Anyways, uh, Tom, you wanted to talk about a couple guys that had been serviceable, even though in seasons past they hadn't really been. Where do you want to start okay. with that? I want to start with Jose Barrios because I, I feel like I feel like coming into the season, I was like, I, I think I, I there was only one way to go. If he was if he didn't make any improvements, he'd probably be out of the league. Um, but Jose Barrios has been serviceable. You know, granted, the peripherals are about league average with nearly everything, uh, if not a little below average. But he's not letting up hard contact anymore. He's not walking as many people as before. And he's holding up to a decent Stev stat of a 361 ERA. And I'm going to check his expected stuff. Um, and it, it aligns decently well with his actual – never mind. Never mind. Jose Brios always has a really bad expected ERA, though. Like, always really bad uh, at a 461. But I don't know. I guess something is working. So, Brad, do you think this continues or do you think it's just it's just a, a Cinderella story? I think you neglect the fact that he wouldn't be out of league because he got a seven-year contract two years ago. Um, I don't seven, know. Seven years, hundred thirty-one million. Blue Jays aren't eating, you know, ninety-eight million of that. However many is, however much is left on his contract, because what he is right now is a serviceable number five. Right, he's not going to pitch in the postseason. Like you don't pitch this arm in the postseason at all. And even when he was with the Twins, he was never elite. I think that's a common misconception. Like you look at his 2018, 2019, and on paper, they look really good. You know, he's putting up a 368 ERA, 384. That's not like, I don't know if I extend that guy for seven years, $131 million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did he finish with a positive war last season? No, he did. He did. did. What was it? He finished with a 1.1. It had to be because he threw a lot of innings. Yeah, that's... I mean that in itself is valuable, but a guy you, you like the reason I said out of the league is if if he repeats a, a five ERA season, five and a half ERA season, is that really a guy you want to be pitching, or would you rather just eat the money, or maybe move him to the bullpen, or you know send him down to the minors like Alec Manoa? You know, well, Manoa is a whole Manoa is a whole different story, but like yeah. with this guy, when you try and find the seasons where he succeeded, right? Like, what's the big difference? He wasn't getting the ball on the ground last year. It's very similar. He's letting up more home runs. It just the strikeouts were there when he was good. The strikeouts were there, and now he's not getting as many strikeouts as he used to. He's also letting up, um, a little less than half the amount of home runs 
per nine innings as he was last season. I think that's kind of a big difference. He's been, he was a guy last season that would completely have meltdowns. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He already has more war this season than he does uh, in the last couple of seasons. Actually, 2021, he actually did manage to put up four war. But in 2022, 20, yeah, 2022, he only put up 1.1. So he's doing better than he did last season already. And you try and say like, oh, his fastball velocity must be down. It's the highest of his career. He's putting the work in. I'm telling it's, you. He's but we've also in. talked about how bad of a pitch his four seam is. So, and he's it's, still it, using it 22% well. of the time. You just look at, if he's looking at expected Woba, his four seam's got a 417 expected, 371 on the sinker. And the sliver and changeup are both performing decently well. They've got respectable whiff rates. It, he needs to find a different sinker or fastball is lo- what it looks like. Cause I feel like the issue might be that they are too easy to see out of the hand. They well, might be too unique of pitches to yeah. like they might tunneling. It's a great concept. Tunneling. I feel like he might be one of those guys that you can probably see this. Yeah. And if his changeup is just a pitch that goes straight down, you can pick up the fastball easily. I mean, from what I'm seeing, at least at least over the course of Jose Brios' career, he's starting to use his fastball less and less. He's learning slowly. He hasn't made any he hasn't he's never made a drastic change with his four seam, but it's down. It's been down every season while the slurve and sinker have been going up. And also not to mention the changeups going up. I think he just needs to work away from the fact I think the slurve and sinker combo is pretty deadly. I mean, he's got good vertical movement on both of those pitches, I think, if not hor- or horizontal, you know what I'm saying. There's good movement on those pitches. I you're gonna bring up the stuff, but is it gonna be? I, I'm pulling it up, but that wasn't what my point was gonna be. My point was gonna be you're not gonna generate whiffs on a 93 and a half mile an hour sinker. But I mean, ground balls. I mean, you got a good infield. You got a pretty good infield. I mean, if Boba Shed at short, Vladimir Guerrero at at first, I don't think you call that a good infield. Matt Chapman. Well, Matt Chapman at He's been a below average this year, Wait, I believe. I don't know. Why do you the gold glove, man? Y'all keep because hating. the gold <laughs> glove the gold glove is a Mickey Mouse award at this point. The gold gloves go to the best hitter. Okay. If we're going off of stuff plus fastball and sinker 94, 95, slurve is 113, changeup's 95. So throw the changeup a little more. You can create some sort of deception with that with a, a three pitch mix of a slurve sinker and changeup and get ground balls. I mean, I know you have a you have a a probably average to below average infield, I guess, in Brad in Brad Ferns. But I I still think that that's better than you know it's it's pretty hard to feel a ball that's going like twenty feet over the fence, you know, uh, which I, he does a lot. I think he might have really bad platoon splits if I had to guess. Just looking at just bad versus lefty, he's got a 151 whip. I know, not great, but like good surface level. One whip against righties. Mm. Let's see, splits, pitching. Lefties are hitting 351 Woba, 261 Woba against righties. I mean, you look at his like, his base stats and they look fairly similar you know strikeouts look the same walks look the same he's given up the same amount of home runs to both lefties and righties giving up more hits to lefties despite what is that seven less innings than yeah than right i mean it's a little bit off off balance but i still don't think it's something to worry about i think he'll be a guy that finishes around a four era for the season but it's also the fact that i don't know if he has a lefty out pitch i mean can you consider like a change up or like a sinker yeah, on my but hand his only like- thing would be 
change up. And if you try and start a sinker in and it leaks over the plate, that's why the ball goes over the fence so much. I mean, he's got to work on, do you think he could add a cutter to his mix? That's exactly what I was thinking. That's what I'm saying. Just, just get it out of the hands. It, it would be pretty, it, it would complement his other pitches more. You know what I'm saying? Like it would complement his slurve sinker and his changeup. Get rid of the fastball. He throws the curveball about, let's see, 0.1% of the time. <laughs> That's actually a stat. Um, I think if you, if you move, mix in a cutter here, he's dangerous. And you know who you can turn to that? Chris Bassett, who knows like every single pitch in the game. So and hates analytics with a passion. Yeah. So that's, that's all I got to say. Any thoughts on Jose Barrios? I mean, not really. You guys covered everything. Uh, I, I think what the what the Blue Jays need is serviceable pitchers, which, I mean, they kind of have that with everyone except for Alec Manoa, who got optioned down to, optioned down to the minors. What – you guys – what what's what's the issue with him? Besides well, the fact that he's just not good. What I wanted to ask Brad is, can you see his location plus on his pitches? Does he no. have a hard time, Jose Barrios? Does he have a hard time locating uh, kill pitches? You know, like one hundred two for pitching plus or location plus. So why is he giving up so many home runs? Then is he is, is it just like okay? I'm looking at his woba in each count right now. And it looks like he gets punished when he gets behind in counts, which conventional wisdom shouldn't get behind. Yeah. Uh, 02, 1, 2, he's got a 100 Woba and a 117 Woba, 01, 283. Like when he's ahead of batters, he's succeeding, but when he gets behind, he gets hurt. It's like a 1 0 count, got a 321 Woba, 32, 318, 31, 310, 30, 331. His worst is a 2 1 count, 377. What's his first pitch strike uh, percentage? There it is, sixty-one um, percent. Is that is that below average? Uh, I'm not sure. I would just attack the zone more, Jose. If you're watching this, get a cutter and attack first pitch. Just just throw it in there. Just knock one in there. All right, next serviceable pitcher, Brad. Let's talk about him, Stevs. Let's talk about him too because I know you're a big supporter, Patrick Corbin. Um, he's been, he's, you know, he's, he's doing okay. Brad, what are your thoughts? I'm happy the Nats are getting an ounce of value out of him. I don't I mean, think twice about him. God, these peripherals are still, oh man. Okay. So, so the bar is a, bo- the, the bar is a lot lower for this guy than it was for Jose Barrios because he's got almost a five-year array still in the bottom percentile for nearly everything, but he's not the worst pitcher in baseball. That spot is reserved for Noah Syndergaard. Uh, <laughs> but oh, I mean, does go ahead. The, the the thing with Corbin is we just needed him to not be the worst pitcher in baseball because right we signed him we won a championship and now our team is terrible so you just need him to be somewhat comparable and that's really what he's doing he's he's going out there he's putting us into games he he really hasn't like blown up I, I need to check this but he really hasn't had like one of those games where it's just like, like he gives up 20 runs i think he actually did i think that was against the royals um, yeah yeah he yeah like, but you know what i'm saying he he's limited that game he gives up like two to like two runs a game i'd say around average besides that game he he's not terrible he's not good by any stretch of the imagination but he's not terrible and that's really what the washington nationals seem to do I don't know what happened when he got to the Nats, but his 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 go-to pitch on 0-2 counts was a slider, 
and it was yeah. very good in 2019, the year they won. And then after that, um, it's because people just started spitting on it because they knew it was coming. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I think something actually changed with this, with the actual shape of the slider, or something actually happened to it, where because deception is the same regardless. I mean, you Brad? know you're gonna get one of five pitches every time. That's why what makes pitchers so effective. I mean, what do you think Justin Verlander in year like in year like 25 is still gonna be is gonna be easy to hit now because he's been around for so long? Yes. No, no. I mean, obviously he's not doing well right now. But the point is that it, it doesn't matter how many times he's been pitching it. Brad, what are your thoughts on on his his slider, which was the worst pitch in baseball in 2022? It gets it's slower by three miles an hour. Maybe that hurt him. I don't think it had the bite that it had in 2019. I think I think he, I think if I recall, he tried to tinker with another pitch, and I think that resulted in his slider regressing. I mean, it's a gyro slider, so it's not going to get a lot of movement horizontally. Um. So my guess is it's just not, uh, maybe he was unique back then. And like the look of that slider from that arm slot was unique and he's kind of just lost that. Maybe. That'd be yeah, my best guess. Um, another thing I'd want to look into if I had more time would be in like his location usage of his fastball and his sinker. Cause his fastball has below average rise. So if he was tunneling them at the bottom of the zone and getting called strikes with a sinker four seam, you could expand the zone with a slider below. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, I get his his curveball wasn't crazy, but that that might have added to the deception of his other pitches. Um, and he didn't use it that often, but he just completely stopped using it in 2020. And that was the year that he kind of fell off. I don't know if that's necessarily the answer there. But you, you can't assign a pitch that was used in 2019. 3.5% of the time to his decline. Man, you got here. Uh, um, just trying to see. I mean, there wasn't good any news, like, though. Crazy. We only have the rest of the season and next season, and then he's gone. So we'll be okay. And next season. And next season. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. That's, that's, uh, well, let, let me see his game. We'll be logs. fine. He's been, he's, he hasn't been bad. He had a stretch where he went four starts in a row with six innings pitched, two earned runs. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's serviceable, which is important. Well, that concludes our 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 serviceable section. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about a guy that's reversed his his way, and that was Spencer Strider last night, who just decided to explode. That was a very unlucky game, though. Brad, did you did you watch that? No, I was driving for two and a half hours. Oh yeah, Spencer. <laughs> Spencer, he got touched a little bit. Um, but so did so did Justin Verlander. I was so excited for this matchup yesterday, and I was very let down. Like I just turned my TV off. I couldn't do it anymore. I wanted to see like a pitcher's duel, and it was like thirteen to ten. Um, pretty pretty bad starts. I saw a graphic. I'm pretty sure you guys have seen it too. At this point, uh, that every ERA leader last season is now pretty bad. It wasn't everyone. It was it, it was the top five? Oh, right? it was top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think there's also something that the three of those top fives were in the top 10 slowest workers last year. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with Strider, right? So I didn't watch the game. So was it like blue pits that happened or was like he just getting pummeled? 
I want to check the box score to see how many hard hits there were, but the way it looked yesterday, um, I don't know. He didn't. He didn't look like inevitable or like you know. He looked invincible when he was pitching to start the season, and this time it actually looked like they were ready for his pitches, which I can conclude by saying they were cheating. I'm just kidding. Oh, let me let me get. He also wrong. had a four hundred one ERA in May. Like, let's not ignore that fact. So Spencer Strider gave up eight earned runs while only giving up five hard hit balls. Um, is that is that um, you know, completely out of the ordinary? No. I mean, I mean look at his ordinary. look what his expected batting average was on the day. You can see if he got unlucky or not. Can you see it just for the individual player? Yeah, if you go to uh, player summary. One moment. Oh Lord, they're coming. <laughs> it was a good game, though. I mean, the Ozzy Albies walk off was really the player really breakdowns. Uh, he had. Oh, hello. What is that? Ignore update. Um, was it maybe Buck? I don't remember where it is. In all honesty, it's uh, somewhere in here. The point is, um. <laughs> Spencer Strider, I don't think this is this is who he is at this point. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but yeah. Tom, it, it was one game. No it was, it was game. literally one game. You're you're upset about one game. He had, but he had a bad game. May too. Yeah, I mean, he um, did. Well, he it is concerning. He had a bad May, but like Tom, Tom's Tom's prefacing this all off of yesterday's game because this balloons this everything. Who he is? It this was balloons one game. everything. It, but it, it this is going to completely change the perception of a player because an eight an eight run you know kind of meltdown does impact not only your surface stats but also your peripherals. Now I mean now if you see his expected well was now in the below average uh, in that's his last part. Terrible. I, I it was also I would just like to point out that he was down a uh, mile per hour yesterday on every single pitch. He's hurt. Uh, I don't know if that's important, but that's concerning. That's very concerning. Let's write uh, that one down. Uh, write, that I, down. write that down. Okay, I'm throwing something. I'll send it to you guys right now. If you want to look at his report from yesterday, I just ran it. Okay. Um, I just texted it. It's just like he was still getting a lot of whiffs because his name is Spencer Strider, and that's kind of what he does. Like the fastball, the velo looks like the like main issue, right? The average exit velocity on any given pitch was the highest one was his slider at 85 miles an hour. But yeah, it had hot. I think they might have just been hitting in places where like there was no fielders. That might genuinely just be what happened. I and think that's the case. That does happen. And I mean, there's not much he can do about it, right? I mean, you go out there, you tip your cap, you do the best you can, you move on to the next day. That's what he needs to do, and he's going to do it. I fine. would not tip my cap. Nope. Yeah, it's because you're salty. I would like to talk about how um, <laughs> no, no, how Ronald Acuna has hit, I think, 10 home runs that have gone at least 420 feet. It, 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 so that's like a, stre- a streak of hitting the ball. Sorry, let me, let me, let me restart. He's hit 10 home runs. His last 10 home runs have all gone 420 feet or more. That is impressive. He hits ball hard and far. So when he hits a home run, he hits it hard. Yes. Thank you, Tom. Uh, can we talk about the, just the collapse of the Mets? 
Like, like that was it, was it was bad last night, and like they're fourth now in the East. Like, it, it, I don't know what they um, need to do to turn it around. I, I'm just sitting here smiling, you know, because the Miami Marlins, um, regardless of the run differential, Brad. No, no, no. Who, Tom? Who are the last two? They're on a win, six game win streak, right? I know they play pretty bad teams. Who do they the play? Real, the real test is coming. No, Brad. Tom. Who do they play? <laughs> I don't want to say it. Who did the Marlins play in their past two series? City in Oakland, but okay. there wasn't any close games. Um, oh man, didn't Sandy of- Sandy get touched by uh, Oakland? So Sandy's I remember at the beginning bad. of the season, I said, "Says you remember you said there's no way everyone breaks out on the Marlins." Well, let's talk about it. Brian De La Cruz has looked great. Um, another guy I wanted to talk about that also looks really good that you guys didn't talk about was Jesus Sanchez, who has also looked very good. Um, not to mention, Luis Arias is going to break the, the all-time record, or not, not like the all-time record. He's going to break the stat cast record for batting average in a season. There is a very good offensive production on this team, and I don't think it's just a fluke. Not, oh, I forgot to mention Jorge Soler, who is probably going to be the starting DH uh, for the NL uh, if a guy named – what's his name didn't exist. But I, I think there's a chance he wins. He gets in that position. You know what I'm saying. The point is – this team now has star power. Uh, let's ignore um, what's his name? What's jazz. His, yeah, let's ignore Jazz and let's ignore um, the guy from the Phillies. What's his name? I I'm, I'm blanking. Gene. Gene. <laughs> Gene has been the worst hitter in baseball. Uh, <laughs> um, Jesus Lazardo has been. I mean, the, the starting pitching has been mediocre but that, that which is actually surprising it's the opposite of what i thought i thought this team would be a team that didn't score many runs it wouldn't be offensively productive but with a good pitching staff it's the opposite um what are your thoughts on that do you think this is sustainable brad you don't think it's sustainable i'm curious what no. Steph's no, I don't think brad and i brad and i talked about this while you were gone oh neither of us think this is sustainable it is sustainable I, I think there is a regression incoming so they swept you said, the you Angels. Said yourself, the Angels are the a good team. The test is coming. The test is coming. The test who, is broken. Who is the test and who is coming? The test. Um, I'm, trying find, I'm trying to. Well, I mean, they get to they play, play Chicago. Chicago. That's easy. Seattle, Which Chicago? That's... Which Chicago? White Sox. The White Sox have been pretty good so far. I think they've been the best team in Actually, baseball in June. They play Cease, Kopech, and Giolito. Okay, so two two competent starting pitchers right now. No, this is going to be a real test because they get to play Toronto. Pittsburgh, I, I won't count as a real team anymore. They they lost the series to the Athletics. You can never take them seriously again. After sweeping uh, the Cardinals. Just get Seattle and Washington, by the way. With, uh, Let's clarify that if the playoffs started today, the Pirates would be a playoff team. They're the worst playoff team I've ever seen. They're really I – mean, how do you lose to, to the A's? How the do you National up, League is terrible. Up, I they, don't uh, get it. I just want to talk – they're not terrible stuff. They're just more even. The fact that the AL is so good is because there's bottom feeders. The, the worst in the AL is better you – know, you know what I'm saying? Like the average NL team is is very close. What, what's that called, Brad, in statistics where the, the bounds aren't far from each other? But in the AL, bounds very far from each other. Outliers? Standard deviation or something. I don't yes, know. standard deviation. Okay, Tom. You know what I'm saying. I'm a stats person. Um, or Or <laughs> hear me out. The American League teams could just be beating up on National League teams. Uh-uh-uh. Pittsburgh gave up 40 hits in three games to the Athletics. Ratio. That's really bad. American League is better than the National League. 
I think, well, the Giants are coming in. The Giants are coming in hot. Uh, just brace for the Giants. I can't wait to see the Giants versus the Dodgers in the NL wild card. This is completely irrelevant to our conversation, but They're it's happening. Back. The Giants are heating up at five and five in their last 10. Brad, you're four and six in your last 10. We're better did, I, did I say that the Dodgers have been playing good? No, but you're a Dodgers fan and I'm a Giants fan and the Giants are playing a little bit better than the Dodgers, like one game better in the last 10. Run differential. Run differential is terrible. Yeah. Well, eight, baby. Well, uh, I got I got a couple more guys I want to talk about today. We're kind of all across the board here. Is there any other guys you want to talk about? Because I have like three guys that are completely random and unrelated in any way. I mean, we probably should talk about Jacob Degrom. Oh yeah, goodbye. Talk- and the fact that Jacob- he's down with uh, okay. he's getting Tommy John surgery. He would what like six starts this year. Yeah, six. Maybe six starts. Uh, I, I don't think, think he actually made right. it. Uh, I don't think he made it six innings in in all those starts though. But the speaking first of innings, that is the big argument when it comes to Senor Degrom. What that is fair. That that's the whole conversation yes, we're have, having. You guys want to you guys want to have this argument here? Let's have well. the argument. Yep. Okay, we're bringing it over to the podcast. Tom thinks that Jacob Degrom is a Hall of Famer. No, 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 wait, no, the point, oh, are we not doing the peak? We're not, we're not comparing the peak. Should we do the peak comparison? It doesn't matter. He's not a Hall of Famer. Do the Hall of Famer. One. Okay. If, okay, so if Dick, if Jacob deGrom is not having one of the best peaks of all time, comparable to guys that had really good peaks back in the day that are in the Hall of Fame, why shouldn't he be in the Hall of Fame? I think the way that the Hall of Fame should start grading things is based on rate-based statistics because pitchers nowadays are weaker they just don't go longer in the games. They don't pitch innings, thus leading to less strikeouts. I think the 3,000 threshold will be reached less and less because pitchers don't go deeper into games anymore. I think we're slowly moving away from that, which is, you know, inherently, it's pretty annoying to me. But, the, you know, there is a sacrifice when it comes to good pitching now. You have you have really perfect mechanics, but you get injured every week. Jacob deGrom, his five-year peak or six-year peak is the best peak I've seen it, probably in history, other than Pedro in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and I, I think that the Hall of Fame should start looking at peaks with pitchers rather than full careers because pitchers just don't get the innings necessary to be comparable to players that were indu- in, inducted into the Hall of Fame years ago because they don't pitch as long anymore. Stas, what are your thoughts before Brad says? I mean, I, I don't, I guess I don't fully disagree with that statement, but. I mean, for me, it's a matter of does he stack up to any of the other pitchers that are in in the Hall of Fame right now? Brad's always a small hall player, so he's going to say that he, he doesn't think he deserves to get in because he doesn't have everything that stacks up to the other players in his in his view, right? For me, I think he'll probably make it. I'm assuming – let's assume – are we assuming his career's done? Like he's he's done. I, like I would say like I, I would say he's just do like a couple more seasons, but like I mean, I think right now, I, I if he has argument. serviceable seasons, and by serviceable I mean like, you know, serviceable to Jacob. If he Tom, does no, if he does his, I said this yesterday. If he yeah. repeats his what was it, his twenty seventeen, sixteen, and fifteen, which is you know, a, like a good, good yeah. yeah, yeah, but not like I can see it. Yeah, no, if he I, repeats those three, he's a Hall of Famer. But given what he has done so far. He does not have the accolades to become a Hall of Famer. 
I I agree with that. I think if if he if he goes down and like Steven Strasburg nerve injury can never come back again, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, Tom. But I think he I think he could possibly make it if after like 17 years, right? Like it I don't know. So I don't I, even think it has to be that many. I think the fact of the matter is like you talk about this dominant peak he had, right? His dominant peak had two full seasons. I mean that's two. still a dominant peak, though. It doesn't matter. It was two seasons. Two seasons isn't a Hall of Fame career. The two greatest seasons of all time, though. No. No, they weren't. Yeah. I... I, <laughs> I <laughs> so your <laughs> argument is now null and void. We're going we're gonna to run around in circles with this, but I just want to... I, I feel like the, the I'm never going to agree with you because you're busy comparing it to past players. When I'm saying... Hall of Fame is eventually going to change. I don't want it to change to a big hall. I want it to change so that pitchers can actually make the Hall of Fame because longevity just doesn't happen anymore. I know that. Okay, so you want to use peak? Yes, because no, but guys like Verlander, like Scherzer, the guys that pitch enough innings like that are going to be lock Hall of Famers, obviously. Okay, here's his similarity scores. All right. Yeah, do it. Number one is Frank Owen, not a Hall of Famer. Two, Ray Collins. Three, Kyle Hendricks. That's career. Oh, man, voice crack there. Ooh, okay. That's career stats comparisons, though. Still. I don't know what you're using for this, but but Brad. Baseball I, reference. Yes. Kyle Hendricks is, is nothing like Jacob DeGrom. I hate but they have the same career accolades. If you take the sum of their career, Kyle Hendricks has lasted longer. He has been available more than Jacob DeGrom. Does Kyle Hendricks have any Cy Youngs? I think he had a Cy Young 2 in 2016. Uh, Cy Young 3 in 2016. Steve, who are you going to take in a in, in, in your all-time team? They have Kyle thrown Hendricks no, they have thrown Jacob the same DeGrom. amount of innings. They in their career, Jacob DeGrom and Kyle Hendricks. I'm not saying Jacob DeGrom is <laughs> worse than Kyle Hendricks. Let's not get that confused. But if you want his similarity through 34, Corey Kluber, not a Hall of Famer. Good pitcher, not a Hall of Famer. You Darvish, Hall of Famer because of what he did in Japan plus the United States. He is a National Baseball Hall of Famer. You, Darvish. Tom? Is that face? I mean, with that argument, I could say Jacob DeGrom. No, because you, Darvish, was also – did he pitch in Japan for seven years and was the elite in Japan? He pitched in high school and college. Um, No, 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 he didn't. That's a lie. He got drafted as a shortstop. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I've actually – I've actually just backed off and have gone to the next argument in line, which is the eye comparison. Also, last time, um, last last thing, the seven-year peak you speak of, 39.8 career war for Jacob deGrom. Seven-year peak of an average pitcher, 50. Tom, cut the cameras. Tom, I'm not cutting the camera. I'm not cutting the camera. Cut the camera. Before you just talk about John Gray. I don't know where we've gone off script here. I want to talk about John Gray. <laughs> you started with Jacob deGrom. Jacob the Goat. May may you ask may John Gray look at John Gray <laughs> Brad look at John Gray and tell me that John Gray he's looked good he's he's filling he's another guy that's filled the shoes along with Nathan Uvaldi Martin Perez has been a bit down but Andrew Heaney's been decent too I think John Gray has been an underrated pitcher for quite a bit I know his peripherals don't say so but his 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 surface stats prove that he's been a guy that's kind of defied that for a couple of years now especially pitching in Colorado you have to admit that pitching in Colorado is not um ideal 
What do you mean his peripherals have defied it for a couple of years? Uh, wait, he's been mid. He's been he's been middle of the pack for a couple of years. So, what I'm saying is he's a serviceable pitcher, and he's been filling the shoes of Degrom, which is very useful. Yeah. You disagree? No, he's done that this year, but not previous years. I mean, the only year was percentiles were actually through the drain was 2020. I okay. mean, and his and his performance. He was in Colorado. I mean, we're not last year. Yeah, and last year he was fine. He was. Yeah. He was. He was. That's. I mean, fine. I mean, that's like throw it away. He's, he was okay. <laughs> I mean, and he he did underperform his expected stuff, and he's been doing that for one season, one every year of his career except for twenty nineteen. One. Every year of his career, every year his expected ERA is lower than his ERA. And Let's go as, to the fun stat ERA plus. Let me uh-oh, find it. Uh oh, uh oh. I'm curious about that because I'm, I'm whipping out my ERA plus. Sorry. I'm um, curious what the uh, what the what the league wide weighted stats is going to do for my core. Well, because remember, core is going to have a really heavy adjustment on ERA because you can have like a four ERA in cores and it be above average. That's what I'm saying, and that's why I think I'm impressed by John Grant. I think he's having a slightly underrated career for a guy that's been stuck in cores. Okay. Career. He was above average in 16, 17, and 19. In ERA plus? Yes. Or This says ERA minus, but it's just throw it backwards and it's plus. Is that really how ERA minus works? Well, yeah, it's the opposite the, of plus. What's the point of having ERA minus then? Because a lower ERA sounds better than a higher ERA. That's true. Fair enough. All right, well, John Gray, been good. I guess I should have included him in the serviceable argument then, but I felt I felt like he was a little bit better than serviceable. Um, let's this jump. Year, yes. Let's let's jump to another guy. Let's just jump to another guy. <laughs> let's let's just jump around. Luke Rayleigh. Nuke Rayleigh. Um, Luke Rayleigh. Nuke. Looked like Nuke. Yes, he's looked like one of the best players of baseball so far, at least in terms of stats. Um, I don't know where he came from. I think the Rays. The Dodgers. Good, dude. Al, <laughs> wait. Uh, did he play a single game for the Dodgers though? I maybe one or two. I know he got traded to the Rangers and then DFA'd by the. Oh yeah, in twenty twenty one, he had seventy two plate appearances, the tune of a five thirty eight OPS. That's my boy right there. I I mean, what does he even play? Is he DH for him? Is he second base? What's he doing? Uh, right field. He's right field too. Oh my, oh my. He has okay. an out above average at first. He has played left field and he has played right field. That is interesting. He has no defense. Else. He has no uh, outs above average at DH. Huh. This is this is this is very interesting. Write that one down, Stevs. Gotta keep notes of that. Um, that's just another guy I wanted to point out for a guy that's probably having a breakout season. Do you think it's sustainable, Brad? Um, if you look at the whiff and K percentage. <laughs> Uh, he's the Rays. He's kind of the Rays. He swings out of his shoes. Does chase quite a bit. I don't really like his his like his veteran walk tool, but you know, he also he's, only hits against righties. I mean, we mean like he actually doesn't get plate appearances versus lefties, or like he has fourteen. Okay. Oh, so he's a platoon guy. Yeah, everyone's a platoon guy, but like, it's the Rays. So, that's what are your thoughts on Luke Rayleigh? Do you think he's you think he's actually that's this guy, or do you think he's 
I think I think it's the Rays. That's literally what I said as soon as you said his name. Okay, you I know think what? the Rays are just good, and I think he's Fine. a part of that. Fine. Let's continue to my final guy. I don't know how to spell his name. Okay, Ezekiel Tavar has had a decent, and I I, I mean, average month of May and June. He hasn't looked like he's going to get sent down to the minors anymore. If you look at his stats, uh, at least his splits in the month of May, I think he he's done he's done better. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily heating up. The glove we already knew was going to be there. Uh, that's not something that changes. That's not something that can really slump unless you have the yips. Um, but the bat is waking up slightly. And by slightly, I mean very slightly. But it's there now. Brad, what are your thoughts? He is a Colorado Rocky, and they have no room to send him down to the minor league. So, Yeah, I mean, there's no one else in that system other than Zach Veen. So. Is he going to intervene? He should. He really should. Only one man can save the Rockies. Shintaro <laughs> uh, Fujinomi. All right, so <laughs> did you have anything? Uh, no, nah, I was just looking at uh, how bad C.J. Abrams under the hood looked. It, it, he doesn't look very good. Yeah. So um, this has been a hop-around episode of the 4A Baseball Podcast. We've been all over the baseball map because Tom has directional issues. We've gone east, west, south, north, east, 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 west, north. Uh, Tom points at a piece of paper that does not pick up because he has a green screen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We will see you all next time. Peace.